You're listening to a BGE podcast. Friends and family gather round and fire up the barbecue. Let the smoke waft and float, that's what we're gonna do. You can't deny there's nothing like friends and family and food. Don't sit still, pull out your grill, we're gonna have a barbecue. Welcome back to another episode of the Blind Grilling Experience. This is Chris Peltz, the most interesting griller in the world. We've got Bruce Books back, if I could say it right, to talk to us about some uh, more things along canning and growing. Looking forward to it. Fire up the barbecue. Fire up the barbecue. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Blind Grilling Experience. And welcome back to Mr. Bruce Brooks. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, dude. If I was any better, I would be twins, man. It's just, <laughs> I tell you, it's yep. so good. It, it, I, I tell you what, let me put it this way. If I was anybody else, I'd want to be me. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the way, the way we all should feel. Right? Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> man. it's It's been a great weekend. I you know, um, I pointed out on the last uh, podcast, the sluggishness and stuff. I, I'm it's, it's, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. This whole keto thing is, uh, you know, it, it <clears throat> kind of difficult getting past, uh, the whole dependency on sugar, but, uh, but I'm, I'm working on it. That's for sure. It's definitely a process. You know, my, my wife put us on that journey a couple of years ago as well. And I'm not on keto, but, uh, different people can do it you know my mom's my mom's able to do it and yeah it's not me yeah man i hear you i hear you and you're not helping me any because i received a package in the mail this week <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's all good thank you so much it, it is definitely definitely all good the first thing i tore into in fact i remember i you know, called you when i got the box and I tore right. into those banana peppers that you pickled, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, right. dude, so good! Oh man, I'm telling you, they're amazing. Yeah, they are. They are. I'm, I'm impressed. I am thoroughly impressed, dude. Is awesome, and uh, yeah, that that's great. And there's a few other things, you know, that I'm gonna be tearing into. And uh, one of the things we're gonna talk about here in just a little bit on uh, on today's episode, but. Before we get to that, I want to uh, talk a little bit about what you've been cooking because you had a, uh, it sounds like an awesome Mother's Day uh, at your place. And uh, man, I, I, I would have loved to have been there to tear into some grub. Yeah, man. So, you know, in Louisiana, especially this time of year, crawfish is a big, big meal. I guess, choice for, you know, get togethers around here. And, um, this past weekend for mother's day, um, I boiled crawfish for my mom and my wife. And, uh, of course my kids are not huge fans yet, yeah. but, yeah. um, they, you know, and I think the way they see it, the way a lot of people, you know, do it's mud bugs, you know, whatever yeah, they want to yeah. call it. Yeah. Come on, man. Let's just call it little lobsters. That's what it is. Let's, let's do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, so we boiled, uh, 30 pounds of crawfish for, uh, 
primarily for us but we had, like i said we had a, a lot of uh, leftovers that we'll be probably eating you know uh tomorrow mm-hmm. actually um and uh so we'll, we'll take the leftovers and peel them and then we'll make like a crawfish etouffee or something like that which is uh you know like a tomato based sauce over rice or pasta depending you know what you want yeah um and uh in our boiled crawfish man we throw in mushrooms and corn on the cob and potatoes and uh celery and onion and there's there's so many different options that you can do a lot of people throw in sausage and stuff like that as well so sure by the time you're done you have a big big pot of stuff for and usually it just gets dumped on a table outside That's and everybody right, yeah. just starts eating man I, I, growing up of course we never lived in louisiana but we you know my dad was in the military had a lot of friends and, and several from louisiana and, and we just loved food first of all but man we would take these big 50 uh, gallon barrel drums Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we would light a fire underneath and, and, you know, we would have a huge crawfish boil. We'd load up some picnic tables full of uh, newspapers, old newspapers, oh, yeah. and then just take and just dump that barrel of crawfish and all the other fixings just across them, them picnic tables and people just belly up, dude. And, uh, yep. and, and go to smacking, man. Man, a little bit of history lesson, you know, back back in the 70s and the 60s, you know, crawfish was just a junk food. It was, yeah. I mean, it was dirt, dirt cheap. And earlier this year when crawfish started, I mean, they were $9 a pound. Wow. I mean, it's it's one of the most expensive things you can buy. I mean, it was the same price as uh, king crab legs back in, uh, or snow crab legs back in January. Yeah. But this time of the year, they're so plentiful. You Like when we bought them for this weekend, we paid $2 a pound live. So, um, I won't eat them at $9 a pound, but at $2, I'm in. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> right. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And that's, you know, we've got a Cajun place here and, uh, Hank, the owner has been on our, uh, YouTube channel, uh, owns Big Easy Grill. And, mm. you know, he came on and he, uh, he showed us how to debone a whole chicken, you know, keeping the chicken whole, but just, you know, uh, just removing all the bones. So it's just just so cool of a process um where you basically just turning the chicken inside out and removing the bones as he goes and then you you know like a sweater you just turn it right side out again and you've got a whole deboned chicken that you can then stuff and smoke and uh, it's just so so cool that's awesome that's yeah. awesome I, ha- I haven't attempted that yet but yeah uh, yeah it's on the bucket list. oh man because we'll stuff it with jambalaya right and so instead of putting our chicken nice. in the jambalaya to begin with We'll just do the the sausage and the peppers and onions and rice and and then shove it in the chicken and then throw it on the smoker and uh, yeah yeah it's <laughs> and you can do all kinds of things like that with it but uh, man I'd love to do some do a, a crawfish so yeah oh dude I love crawfish that's that's the etouffee yeah. of my choice you know if I have the <laughs> choice between crawfish and shrimp I'm going crawfish every day. All every day, absolutely. Yeah, man, that's that's so cool. Uh, but that's not the only thing you've been cooking, though. You you threw a few other things on the smoker. Oh yeah, man. We uh, I think it was it was last weekend that we did the I did three Boston butts. I may have even mentioned that on the previous episode. I don't know, but I think uh, that you were going to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, man, that that's that's my go-to piece of meat because I just I love pork, but um. Man, uh, that's that's really the only thing we've we've done in the last week because of the whole crawfish thing. But mm-hmm. I haven't had a whole lot of time. But yeah, 
Well, there's two things that we're going to get into with that smoked pork that you did, those Boston butts. Mm-hmm. One we can go ahead and talk about right now, and that is you cut the fat. You always cut the fat caps off. I I always cut them off, that, right. and that's and I know a lot of people cannot believe that, but that's what I do. Well, that's that. At first, I, admittedly, at first I was just like, "You do what? <laughs> this dude is this dude's crazy. He's ruining this piece of meat." But not. But then I found out what you do with that fat cap, and dude, I I'm telling you what, my wife is bringing home a, a pork shoulder this week, and and that's this is what I'm doing. This is what I am going to do this weekend. <laughs> so fill us in, my friend. What did you do with the fat cap from the pork butt? So yeah, we you know I I trimmed it off, and you know you don't have to worry about having it perfect. I just cut. I mean, as as a blind person, you can feel that the difference between you know that fat cap and where the meat is. And if you get some of the meat on it, that's perfectly okay. Just cut it off, and it doesn't matter what shape, whether it's one piece, whether it's eight pieces. It doesn't matter. Throw it in a big pile. I had three of them, so we did the same thing with all three of those. Once you get done with that, just cube it up into the size of, you know, maybe dominoes or I don't know. You know, it doesn't matter, really. I, I, maybe one to two inch square or something like that. Put it down in your in a big pot, nonstick. That's what I suggest anyway. Maybe some Maybe some cast iron. Um, and just keep cooking it down, cook it down it on a little below medium, just cook it slow and slow. And eventually that, that fat's going to start rendering. And ultimately you're going to end up with a huge pile of pork cracklings (laughs) and they are so good. Then you can also take that, take that lard, strain it through a coffee filter into a, you know, a bowl, put it in your Mason jar or whatever, store it in your fridge. And then you can also use that rendered fat for cooking. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is awesome. I mean, that's, uh, man, that I, I can't wait. I cannot wait to make some cracklings with, with some pork fat. That's just going to be, uh, that's going to be awesome. And, and, you know, we've made cracklings before, but we did it with pork belly, you know, skin on that. That's what mm-hmm. I was, I've always been taught and everyone's always talked about is making it with, with skin on. And, and there would be pieces that would be, I mean, hockey pucks, which, I mean, that happens, right, when you do it with right. the skin on. I mean, that's it, it's not that I did anything wrong. It's just that, that just some of the pieces are just going to be that that hard. Yeah, uh, and you're going to need a dentist appointment when you get done eating. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So. Yeah. But, uh, but man, yeah, just, just rendering that fat down and just making some cracklings in a, in a big old uh, Dutch oven or pot, man, um, I'm excited. Because, I mean, the pork butt is going to have – plenty of fat throughout it anyway oh yeah uh, there's tons of fat throughout that piece of meat yeah and and i'm see i'm the guy unlike many who throw pork butts on smokers where they put it fat cap down because they they say they want to protect you know, use that fat cap to kind of protect the meat from burning or um, getting too done uh, before the rest of it i cook it with the fat cap up anyway so i'm i'm not you know don't need it for that particular purpose and so, right. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, all I've in, cooked man. Them, I've cooked them, you know, with the fat cat on. I've cooked it up. I've cooked it down. I've cooked it without up and down. And I personally have not noticed a difference either way. Yeah. Personally. yeah. What kind of smoker are you generally using? I I have a, I have a propane smoke, a vertical propane smoker by Masterbuilt. It's a 40 yeah. inch model. Okay. And, um, 
I mean, I can I can cook at least eight in there at once. Um, now, I don't personally do that because I feel like I have a little more problem with, uh, you know, heat. Heat distribution going and everything. Yeah, distribution. So um, I, I usually stick to no more than four. But I, whether I've cooked the two on, like, the second shelf and the two above it, I haven't noticed. Yeah. I feel like they end up getting to attempt around the same time because, the, you know, at around the 160 area, they'll stall a little bit. And I feel like it lets the rest, rest of them catch up, you know? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. that's my experience. And you're old school with your smoker that you've just got a knob you can turn and you know where, where to turn it to, to set it to what temp you're going for. I, yeah. I'm, I'm old. Like yeah, that, yeah. You know? yeah. I said old school <laughs> now. I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> I'm still older than you, so I don't want to hear it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. But it works for me. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, yeah. I, I felt like when I first got it though, I, I did not. I was just like, my tent was, I would have 50 degree temp swings in it. I'm just like, oh, mm. my word. And then eventually, you know, I've, I've got it down pat now. So I mean, it's kind of second nature. Yeah. Right. Right. You learn your cooker. Right. That's what we've been mm-hmm. stressing throughout this. Learn, learn what you're cooking on. You'll learn how it cooks. And, and another tip, and I'll probably bring this up a few times throughout other podcasts. You know, a lot of folks talk about cold spots and hot spots and, and try how to find them and where they are, especially on larger cooking chambered smokers. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's an old trick out there with some canned biscuits, through, put canned biscuits throughout your cooking grates, uh, spread them out and and just pay attention to how they cook and which ones get done faster than others. And you'll find your hot spots and your cold spots. And uh, that's a good tip. So. Uh, that that's one way to that's one way anyway you know to to figure that out so that, that's i know a lot of guys a lot of competition guys you know that's how they know where their cold spots are on their on their smokers and which meats are going to cook faster than others they've they've used that little trick so yeah that's a great idea actually so um let's see you did something else with that pork though right you smoked some pork butts you said you smoke three, and you got a family of four, mm-hmm. but you got y'all didn't. I mean, there's no way y'all were eating a pork butt right. piece. <laughs> we're hungry, but we're not that hungry, right? <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah, I actually gave one to my mom, and uh, she ended up taking it and splitting it up, and you know, putting the freezer for her. Yeah, um, that one actually didn't have any sugar on it, so it was keto for her. Yeah, there um, you go. And then uh, the rest of them, you know, we ate that day and then uh, a little bit the next day. And then the rest of it, you know, we put it in pint jars and canned it, make it shelf stable. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's what we're going to be talking about uh, today for sure is we're going to get into a little bit of the canning. You know, we, you were here last week. We talked about the gardening, getting started gardening. And we're definitely going to talk about canning vegetables and things as we get further into the growing season. But you know, you sent me some canned meat and it was interesting because I was talking to a guy at church who is a huge gardener, you know, cans a lot of foods, uh, a lot of vegetables and, and different things. But growing up, he was always taught or told, right, don't can meat. It's just not safe. Don't don't do it. And he's like, he goes, I know people do it. He goes, I know you can go and you can buy canned meat at stores you know, and, and so I know it can be done, but it was just always something drilled in him. So he never did it. He, he's, he's just 
He hasn't done it. And right. he's he's an older gentleman and probably won't do it, um, you know, moving forward. But when I told him what you had sent uh, and what you had done, you know, the fact that you were canning meat and canning mm. some smoked pork butts, he was he was like, man, he goes, he'd love to try it, but he's he uh, he was that's what he told me. He was always told not not to do that, which was was interesting. I I don't know. I, I've I've known a lot of folks to can meats in times past and I mean, curing meats and, you know, putting meats up and all that. So, uh, uh, I don't know. That that was strange. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because you hear people say that all the time, but yet they go to the store and they're buying canned chicken. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, or canned tuna. And, and it's the same concept. You're buying a can, canned chili. Guess what? It's got meat in it. They're canning it and they're putting it, they're pressure canning it higher pressure as well, you know? So, they argue, they say that you're not supposed to do it, but yet they're buying the product. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I so, think it just, it's, it scares people, you know, that you can actually do it yourself. Right. You know, that's, that's where I think that uh, fear comes in with people. Yeah. And if one, yeah. if one person tells them you can't do it and guess what, you know, they take it as, as the word. <laughs> and go exactly. Yeah. And not, not just that it, it shouldn't be done or can't be done. Uh, the idea that it's not safe, I think, is what really gets into a lot of people's mind because of, you know, bacteria or whatever. And and that's what's interesting because, you know, you talk about the the pulled pork or, you know, a, pool, a Boston butt, you know, pork shoulder. Mm-hmm. Usually after we've smoked it, we'll, if we have leftovers, we put it into a vacuum seal bag. We'll vacuum seal it. We can throw it in the freezer or in the fridge for a little while. And then I'll use a sous vide and bring it back up to temp. And it, it's almost like the day you, you know, you pulled off the smoker. It's awesome. Right? right. And that's, that's what we used to do all the time. Yeah. Until I started canning it. Right. Exactly. Now I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> that's, that's how, I mean, it, with, with whenever you're pulling it out of the, out of the jar and it's been canned, I'm telling you, it's like, you just, it, you just pulled it off your pit and it's cooled down to room temp. Yeah. Yeah. I actually felt that it was more tender than when I pulled it off the pit at two Oh five. Sure. I bet. I bet. Absolutely. And, and here's, here's the kicker though. Right. I mean, we're talking about canning smoked meats. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're canning raw meats as well though. Uh, yeah, we, we, canned plenty of raw meats uh just raw pack um I, we did some pork cornita meat uh when did we do that friday i think it was and we just raw packed our jars and cubes and uh put some seasoning on it and pressure canned it for or for 75 minutes because they were pint jars and i mean it it tastes like you you went to the a restaurant and ordered them wow and that's so, pork uh, yep, pork shoulder, pork. just like okay, Austin butts. Yeah, man. Yeah. Now you've done pork loin too, haven't you? Or I know you smoke pork loin. I didn't know if you've canned any of that or. Not. I have not canned the pork loin, but um, I I don't see where it would be any different. I've sure. I've read about people doing it the same way. I mean, you have you know it's it's a leaner cut, so you would have a little bit less you know fat from the canning process. Right. Right. What other meats have you canned? Oh man, we've done chicken breast. Uh, you know, going back to the previous podcast, we've canned rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've done ground pork for taco meat. We use we usually use ground pork for our taco meat. Um, 
I have not done beef personally. I'm not a huge fan. Um, I know that drives some probably some people crazy. It but... drives me nuts. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but uh, like I said, we've done chicken, rabbit, and chicken, rabbit, and pork. Okay. So yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Well, I tell you what, I want you to come back here in just a second and tell us about the canner that you're using just briefly. And, um, and let's, uh, let's, let's get into that just a little bit, because that that's gonna, that's something that I think is on everyone's mind. And we've got a couple of requests for our listeners as well. So bear with me just a second. Kickashbasket.com for all your grilling accessory needs. If you want to manage your charcoal and your flame in the best way possible, you need to check out our friends over at Kick Ash Basket. They've got not only the ash basket for just about every type of grill out there, they've got the Kick Ash can for easy cleanup of all the ashes. They've got some great heat insulation gloves to help you grab those hot items off the grill as well. They got the JJ George grill torch and so much other other things that are just waiting for you to make your grilling experience easier. Go to kickashbasket.com and tell them Blind Grilling sent you. All right, man. So uh, the canner that you use... Um, you know, what, what is it that's so special about that canner that makes it accessible for you? Um, I guess the biggest thing is in, for anyone that's had any discussion about canners with anyone, you hear people talk about, you know, jiggler canners where the weight jiggles. All right. And the particular canner that I use is probably the most popular canner out there on the market. Um, it's the Presto 23 quart and it has a gauge on top. It has a weight that goes over the, uh, you know, the, the valve where your weight goes. I don't know what they technically call that, but, um, your pressure once, release valve. Yeah. Well, I don't know what they call it actually, Yeah. <laughs> but you had, you know, on, on the top of the canner, you have your gauge. You also have a valve that pops up to let you know when your canner is under pressure. And obviously someone with vision can look at the gauge, but that's also there, I think, for, obviously it was designed for everyone with vision. But if that thing's up, your canner's under pressure. Now, if your weight's not on it, it's going to be letting off steam constantly until the pressure is gone. But they sell a three-piece canner uh, weight that goes over the, um, the valve where your steam comes out that you can set five, 10 or 15 pounds. It's a three piece and your weight, you know, what, what amount of pressure you need to have the jars under your canner under is based on your elevation. However, the point that makes this completely accessible for me personally is once the canner gets to my 10 pounds of pressure for my elevation, it starts making us, you know, the, yeah, yeah, type yeah. sound, yeah. yeah, sound, and that's where I was. I'm able to able to notify, you know, realize where it's at, and you know, I had my wife, I had my children looking at it to just confirm over and over and over again last year until you know I don't need anyone to look at the canner anymore. Yeah, right. It just hit me, and because you've described this to me in in various ways and at various times in the past when we have talked, 
And I just realized something because this this past Monday's episode, I talked about one of the uh, the the tools that I use from theblindkitchen.com, and that is the uh, the boil disc indicator that you set in the bottom of your pot, and when the water starts to boil, it'll start tapping the bottom of the pan because as that that pressure from that water, those bubbles before they rise, they get trapped underneath that uh, that little disc. And then as that they raise that disc and then escape out the size, the disc falls and it taps the bottom of the pan. So you can right. kind of, well, that weight that you're talking about, I mean, it, it's kind of the same concept, right? It's it, for the pressure that it's pushing through that valve until it gets to over 10 pounds of pressure, it can't lift 10 pounds of weight. Well, I mean, it, it, it starts moving. I mean, it, it's going to start making noise a little before that, Yeah, but it's not going to, I think it's the same concept, but it's yeah. not going to start making that sound until it gets 10 pounds. Yeah. And it's been like clockwork. Right. So, awesome. and, uh, so much so that I was able to, you know, notice it and turn my pressure, you know, my heat down on my stove and it was at maybe 10.1 pounds of pressure. That's how close I could get it. Okay. Yeah. And wow. again, no vision at all. So yeah. Yeah. It, it, it can be done. 100%. He can be taught. <laughs> we can do it. That's right. That's right. That's so cool, man. That is so cool. Cause I, I actually got with my wife and I was like, all right, let, you know, and I've told you this before pressure cookers or canners scare me to death. Right. I mean, I walk right. into a kitchen and all I hear is this pot just screaming steam out the top. And I'm like, it's about to explode. And so I'm like, I'm getting out of here. Well, you know, my wife is paying attention to the pressure. She's got the pressure gauge on there. You know, we've got an old school canner. She got from my, my mom who got it from her, her mom. So my grandma. And right. so, you know, with, when, you know, when granny was, pressure cooking i mean she put that thing on the stove turn it on then the, it, the lid latches down and then once it i think she says you have to let it steam out for a couple of of minutes and then you ten put minutes. the 10 minutes okay yep. then she has a weight she puts on the side hangs on the side like on the lid and down the mm -hmm. side of the the pot itself and and that you know uh, that then she just pays attention to the gauge uh, and goes from there. I'm so comfortable with it that whenever I canned uh, the, the cornita meat the other day, once I got it to pressure, I literally just, I mean, I, I, I realized it was stable. I literally just set a timer on my Amazon echo and walked away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could hear it from my living room, you know, in the case that it did get louder, because as it does go up in pressure, it's going to make more and more louder sounds. So, I right. mean, it's it's something that you can, even though it's you hear it and it's at 10 pounds of pressure, if it does start to go higher, you're going to notice a difference. So it's not like it's going to stay the same, whether it's at 15 and, you know, getting too, too high of a pressure. Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, which is awesome. And, and that's that's what I love about these things, because. You know, you can cook with those things. Even if electricity goes out, you guys could still can, right? Because, it well, it, I could because I have a gas stovetop, okay? We have an electric stovetop, but I also have some portable backup indoor, uh, you know, gas burners that I can use as well. Exactly. You know, in so, the event that I needed to. But right, so I if got... you've got gas or fuel, right, that, that type of fuel source, 
propane, natural gas, whatever it is, you can use these canners to cook in, in no, yeah. regardless. Um, yeah. You know, you just got to light your fire, a little match, lighter, whatever, get the, you know gas going, get it lit, and then mm-hmm. you can start adjusting the flame and get the heat right, which is which is great because everybody, as we said, uh, you know, I think last week when you were on, you're on the homesteading in the dark group, and you know which. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's what people, you know, really are trying to get off grid a lot of times when it comes to homesteading to begin right. with. But, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I still need electricity, still need this or that. And, you know, this is something not only growing, but when it comes to canning with this canner that we're talking about with you and what you're using. And you, you called it a, a jiggle canner. That That's what I call it. That's because, what you I mean, call you, oh, OK. I, All right. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, you can. uh Look it up online, the Presto 23 quart. I mean, it, it is the most popular canner out there. Okay. Um, and the, I mean, the way it? it's going to start mo- jiggling when it, <laughs> once it gets to pressure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, so and one other thing, man, is there's a, you know, there's a misconception that you can't use pressure canners on top of glass top stoves. And that is, you know, very far from the truth on that. So, okay. Yeah. Is it, do they say that because of the weight or is there something else that they're saying not a reason why? Because like again, they tell I, us not to use cast iron because first of all, there's a weight issue, which may not be as big of a deal, but the cast iron easily scratches the the glass. Right. And that that's, you know, we don't use cast iron on, cast iron on our stove for that reason. Okay. But it's definitely not a weight issue as far as, you know, as far as we're concerned, but I, I think uh, there are some really large canners out there that can be extremely heavy mm-hmm. and one is not one of them. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, and, and you have a glass top. I do. So, so you're using it on glass top. All right. And, and which one are you, which one is yours? What is it called again? A Presto? Yeah. This the Presto 23 quart. 23 and, quart. Uh, you can get it at Walmart, you know, Amazon, mm-hmm pretty much everywhere yeah okay awesome so here's the request that we've got for those who listen and maybe they're into canning and they're you know they're they're into this already if you are into canning and you have an electric canner we're interested if in accessible electric canners if you know of one for certain that is out there that you're using please send me an email, blindgrilling at gmail.com. We want to share it with our listeners. We want to find out exactly what's out there for folks that we can recommend um, and, you know, and, and help folks out who, you know, it's my understanding these electric canners, while you have to have electricity, which is fine, uh, a lot of them folks feel safer with because of safeties and everything they put in there. They're built in. They, they keep track of the pressure uh, and it's all there for you to basically turn on. The question is whether or not it's accessible, whether or not the buttons are tactile or if it uses an app, if the app is accessible. And so if you're involved in using one of those, please let us know uh, and shoot us an email, blindgrilling at gmail.com. There was a lady, because you posted on the Homesteading in the Dark group uh, and asked about that, and there was a lady who mentioned a pressure cooker that is a 10-quart that also does canning, and and she says it's accessible. 
um, it was an XL, but I don't remember anything other than the fact it was an XL. Yeah, I I don't remember either. Yeah, so I, we'll, I want to say we'll it was a pressure up. cooker XL Pro or something like that. But yeah. again, I I have no experience with those. Right, and so so we're we're asking for some help from folks on this, you know, because I know a lot of people are looking, you know, they they like the Instapots and and all of that. But but here's the next thing, Bruce, because there's a huge difference between pressure cooking and pressure canning. Correct. You know, pressure cookers, they do cook things under pressure, but it's not a pressure where it's guaranteed to stay the same to make sure your food, you know, is safe to eat. A pressure cooker, I mean, a pressure canner is going to do that. Right. Yeah. Pressure yeah. cooker is going to bring it to pressure. Yeah, it's going to cook it for whatever you know time you want it to cook for. Or if you press one of the auto set buttons, you know, meat, vegetables, whatever but it's not going to be guaranteed safe for canning. Exactly. And and especially when you get one of these, because usually they're, they say like a, a 10 in one, a 12 in one, a 20 in one, whatever, you know, they talk right. about making yogurt. They talk about making, you know, I mean, just, just a plethora of things. It sounds like these things can make uh, and they're pressure cookers, but not all of them specify canning and that's something you have to look for don't just look at you know oh here's a pressure cooker because you want to make sure that it specifies that it can work with canning and you know depending on how much you want to do i mean man you got a 23 quart i mean how many jars and if you don't know offhand no big deal but how many jars are you getting in that in that pot when you go to can in in the 23 quart you can put seven quart jars okay um if you're doing pints you can actually double stack them they sell a a a stacking plate that goes between your your lower level and your upper level and you can get 18 pints or if you're doing half pints i've never done them because i don't really cook in that smaller jars but you probably could get an you know easily um probably 27 i guess 30 something like that okay Awesome. Because you now, can you can go three levels. Well, okay. I'm asking a question then here because th- this is new. Because we we probably, yeah, we're we're probably doing about seven quarts jars in ours, and because um, I, I help my wife prepare everything, get everything ready, but then then I'm out, right? And so I'm <laughs> I'm gonna try and change that. <laughs> I'm gonna try and change that, right? Gotta but, change that. All right. But when we put the jars into the pot, we'll then fill water until it's about three quarters of the way up the jar in our pressure cooker. Okay. Well, I know on the Presto, it's not about how high the water goes up the jars as much as the Presto just needs three quarts of water. Three quarts of water. Yeah. Okay. It's not about how far the, the water goes up. Gotcha. And, uh, and I've, I've never ran out of water. And like I said, that's what the manufacturer suggests, and I've gone mm-hmm. by it, and it's been perfect every time. Okay. Good to know. Good so. to know, man. That I tell you, dude, that's why I'm having you on here. That's why we're doing this, because if nobody else learns anything, I'm learning something. <laughs> right. So, there you go. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'm, man, I'm, that, that's exciting. But uh, definitely, you know, if there's folks out there listening to the podcast that – have an idea that are familiar with canners that are accessible, that are electric canners. 
please shoot us an email, blindgrilling at gmail.com. Would love to hear what it is you're using. If it was accessible out of the box, if you needed sighted assistance to get it set up and then it was completely accessible or, you know, to what extent, what did you have to do? Is it a matter of just getting some bump dots put on, um, just learning, you know, what the tactile buttons, if that's what it's all about, just, you know, uh, as much info on them as you can give us, we would really and truly appreciate uh, on uh, the information that you can give because uh, we want to help others to get involved in this. And and I think, you know, as we share this information with one another, uh, we can get more people involved in not only cooking, uh, grilling, smoking meats and, and veggies, but, uh, you know, get into canning as, and get into gardening, right? Because we're that's what we're uh, ultimately with canning. That's probably where we're looking at. But I wanted to go ahead and, and jump into this meat aspect of things because, um, that, that's pretty cool. Cause I, I want to get in, I want to can salmon. We cook a lot of salmon and sometimes we'll, you know, it's just easier and cheaper to buy this huge, you know, two, two and a half pound or three pound filet sure. way too much. And sometimes I don't want it just the next day or two. And so it intrigues me about canning something like salmon. Right. And you know, for a lot of people that live in small apartments or uh, stuff like that, and they don't, they usually have just a single fridge or freezer, um, you know, so they're limited on freezer space. Canning is going to allow them to cook, you know, large pieces of meat, like, you know, whether it's salmon or a, a, a pork roast, can it, and then they don't have to worry about eating pork unlimited for five days until it's all gone. They can have it canned and ready to go whenever. And the you know, same applies, like you mentioned, with the salmon, you know, you can can it and eat it later. And you bring up a great another great point because we've talked about throwing meats on the smoker, pulling it off, and doing pulled pork. But like you said, I mean, you could do a pork roast in a in a crock pot. Yep. You, you could do a pork roast in in the oven, uh, pork loin or something, or anything like that in the oven in a crock pot. Uh, you know, whether it's chicken, whole chicken, you know, get it cooked, and then you know. Uh, rather than it going to waste or having to to freeze it and worry about it, you know, being in the freezer too long, you can can it. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Man, that that's just, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I know the, the things you've sent up here, because uh, you sent up not only the uh, the banana peppers, you got some uh, some green onions, you did the meat, and you did jellies, man. That's man, that is so cool. I mean, you're you're doing jellies. What uh, orange marmalade? Yeah, we made some orange satsuma, orange satsuma marmalade from satsumas grown right here on the property. The green onions I actually grew personally as well. Um, I grew the banana peppers. Um, so the, I mean, the majority of it, you know, excluding the, I'm not raising pigs here, not but right. <laughs> uh, you know, all the vegetables I grew here. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. Now, it, one other thing you did send me on the jelly aspect of things was the the raspberry and fig. And you said you're not a big fan of figs necessarily, but you love this. Yes, it's 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 really good. And yeah, uh, yeah. I but I usually I'm not, like I said, I'm not a person that eats toast and jelly and or, you know, that kind of thing or even biscuits and jelly. But I, I'll take some of that and make, blend it in some barbecue sauce and then put it on my baby backs or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Man. You know, and, and that that's what got me to thinking, because 
you know, I did ribs last week, uh, as I talked about on Monday's broadcast uh, episode, and I used this uh, peach habanero sauce from Cosmos Barbecue. And I guess, you know, they they make a raspberry chipotle sauce as well. And, you know, we've made this uh, or we've had this raspberry chipotle by another company that we would use as a pizza sauce for barbecue chicken pizza. And I got, you know, I got that's what I got thinking about was this raspberry fig jelly, you know, into some barbecue sauce and maybe, you know, throw some jalapenos or something in there. And uh, and making a making a barbecue sauce with that. Yeah, that I mean that sounds good. I, I've been one of my next recipes I want to make is some some jalapeno strawberry. That's that's yeah. kind of what I I had read about, and I kind of want to try that. Absolutely, yeah, man, that sounds good, dude. <laughs> I'm hungry. I, <laughs> I know, right? Oh man, that's awesome. So, uh, anything on the docket for this weekend? You going to be cooking up? Um, I, I don't have any initial plans right now, but, um, I, you know, speak, going to canning a little bit, I, you know, we had leftover corn and potatoes from the crawfish. I, uh, took the potatoes and mashed them up. I cut the corn off the cob and, uh, that's what's in the, in the pot right now, actually it's on my stove. Yeah. Up. There you um, go. It's going to be a little potato soup with some corn in it. And we may, we may dump some of the crawfish tails in there as, as well. We're just, I'm not sure at this point. Yeah. 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 Mm, 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 mm. Man, I no wish it, I wish it didn't take so long to get down there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but that's uh, all right. You're gonna learn to can meats, and that's then right. you'll yeah, be that's able right. to send me all this good stuff you've been cooking, right? <laughs> there you on go. On the spot right now. That's right. That's right. Yeah, man. <laughs> absolutely. I, I, you know, would would bones make a difference in canning? Like, if you did ribs and you left a couple bones in, there are people that 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 can ribs all the time. With bones on. I personally, bones. yeah, they'll cut them into, you know, maybe two piece sections or something like that, you know, depending yeah. what size jar yeah. you're getting it in. Um, you know, if you're doing, I would say almost all the time, you probably need to use wide mouth jars for something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Need, yeah. need to use wide mouth quartz. Yeah. Um, but there are people that do it all the time. Okay. Okay. Now with fish, I know we, and when you do that, I mean, you can, yeah, it, it does something to the bones that they just disintegrate. It's just, it's the high pressure, yeah. uh, you know, when you're canning, uh, pressure canning, you know, it's getting 240 degrees inside that canner. And, you know, that's where, that's where stuff gets, starts breaking down pretty, pretty hardcore. Um, I personally haven't, you know, canned any fish, but I'm planning to, to attempt that one of these days. It just, it hasn't come up yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't bones, know. I don't know, know how to it, ship you some crappie that we caught, uh, but <laughs> Man, I, I we've got some crappie we threw in a vacuum sealer and froze, and uh, I guess I could get try to see if my wife would can it, but uh, ship it down there to you and let you can some crappie. <laughs> see how that turns dry, out. Dry ice, man. Dry ice. Dry ice. There you go. There you go. Sweet, sweet. Oh my goodness, dude! I I'm loving it. I I am just stoked uh, about you know uh, sharing this information with folks, getting it out there, and encouraging them to to give this a try and and uh you know i know it, more and more people are wanting to preserve things uh preserve food and th this is a great way to do it and especially you know while you can afford things you know if you buy something that's not canned um you know you can can it yourself 
So that's right. And it's going to save you so much more money because think about for people that are listening, you're throwing away food all the time because, you know, one, you either couldn't eat it, uh, didn't have freezer space. Now you can, you know, get around both of those and then have that food for later. Yeah. And, and here's another thing that I want to point out, you know, here we're talking about growing all of, uh, you know, getting a garden started. We're talking about, you know, the meat, the meats were bought at stores, right? Well, you know, my wife will buy a bunch of apples and I should have asked her what kind of apples she uses, but she'll can apples and we'll use that throughout the year for not only apple pie, we put, um, we put them in our baked beans, we, nice. you know, yeah, I mean, we, we use canned apples in a lot of things and, you know, when we can go to these certain places and pick apples, that's all well and good, but that's not always possible. And so we'll buy things at the grocery store. And so, um, you, that, that is an option. You don't have to grow everything yourself that you're going to can. Um, you know, if you can find some fresh green beans and want to can them yourself, and, and, you know, rather than just buying, you know, green beans in a can at a store, um, which, you know, with, you know, do what you want to do. But if you want to get into this, right, and you want to try some things, you know, don't, don't hesitate to buy some product from the grocery store. You know, there, I will say there's a huge difference between a store-bought mater and a, and a homegrown mater. <laughs> but right. you can still... If nothing else, if you want to practice and you don't want to run, you know, some some homemade maters, man, you know, buy some store-bought, get some, you know, from the grocery store, can those and see how they turn out, you know, and how, you know, get used to it, and then then get to the good stuff. Right. <laughs> I mean, that. Like, like my grandpa used to always say, he said, you have to get while the getting is good, That's you know. Right. right? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, when, whenever there's, you got apples on sale buy your apples, can them. That's right. And then later in the year, when apples are triple the price, you're good. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And the same with, with the pork, you know, with the pork butts, I buy them when they're on sale. I'm not going to pay that three fifty to $4 a pound. That's the regular price. I will not do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets ridiculous. I mean, you can definitely get it a lot cheaper if you're, you know, if you pay attention, hold out and wait, but yeah, there are some times that the meat prices go so far, you know, way up there. Um, you know, and you you go out and you catch a bunch of fish and, and rather than throw it in the freezer, like a lot of folks do, can it? Because then you don't have to worry about pulling it out and then cooking it, right? You can just grab a right. jar and, and you know, take it with you on a trip or something, open up a jar and eat it. You don't have to worry about cooking it. It's it's done. It's cooked. It's just ready to open and eat. Right. The pulled pork, like I sent you, yeah. it, it's pop the top off, stick a fork in it, throw it on some bread, make you a sandwich, eat it straight out of the jar jar however you want to do it yeah it's, sure it, sure it's ready to go yeah it's awesome it's awesome all right man anything else you want to talk about today bruce nope i just want to i want people to if you have questions ask questions don't don't hesitate to do it just yeah can you can do it i'm it's totally right. blind 100 and i'm doing it yeah, so man. you can do it don't think that you can't absolutely absolutely all right, folks, thanks so much Friends for tuning in to the Blind Grilling Experience. Barbecue. 
Shoot us an email, blindgrilling at gmail.com. That's our email address, blindgrilling at gmail.com. Let us know about the canner that you're using. If it's electric canner and it's accessible, we really want to hear from you on that particular subject, especially right now. But let us know what you're cooking. Love to hear that. And as always, remember, if you're looking, you ain't cooking. Fire is burning, the world keeps turning. Don't worry what you gotta do. Cause if you're looking, you ain't cooking. Fire up the barbecue. Fire up the barbecue.